Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome back to Get Your Goat. There is a lot to get into today, starting with the Saints and the Seahawks. Tonight's Monday night football game. I'm going to break down that. Then look at the Week 7 highlights so far of yesterday's action. So much to get into. Kansas City, my thoughts on them. Uh, San Francisco, the Rams close game as well. Arizona still being the only undefeated team. A lot to dissect. Then Deshaun Watson, will he get traded? Will he not within the next two weeks? Then I'm going to talk about some NBA as well. Give you my top five teams after an early week. Then my college football reaction as well. The picks I got right, wrong, AP poll reaction. And then... Uh, Last but not least, the World Series is upon us. That starts uh, tomorrow. I will finish with that talking a little bit about the matchups and indicators uh, from the games won last week that finished in Game 6. The Braves beating the Dodgers and the Astros beating uh, the uh, Red Sox. So we'll be talking about all of that on today's show. So let's get started with the game tonight between the New Orleans Saints and the Seattle Seahawks. Who do I like in this game and why? Well, the Seahawks are not in good health right now. They're in dire straits. It's not looking good. Two and four, they're... Lost two in a row. They're facing a two and five right now, which you know could effectively end their season with tough opponents still left on their schedule. You know, you have five losses, and you look ahead and say, you know, they still play the Packers at Lambeau, the Cardinals twice, the Rams at SoFi. Uh, those are all tough games. Granted, Russell could come back, but right now, tonight, they don't have. Russell Wilson next week against the Jaguars. They don't have Russell Wilson and maybe against the Packers as well. They don't have Russell Wilson. Uh, Things are looking good on his injury rehab. He's recovering well of a pen's taken out. But still, there will be no Russell Wilson in this game. So if there's no Russell Wilson in this game, I'm going to say it's no problem for New Orleans. No problem at all. You know, they're rested. Just had their bye week. You know, teams from NFL typically do better off the bye week. And I think, you know, this will be a good win uh, for New Orleans, who have to keep pace, not in the division race, because I think Tampa Bay is, you know, the clear-cut favorite, but in the playoff race. This is a big playoff game already. This game, to me, already has playoff implications uh, because I agree with what Chris Collinsworth says is you have five legitimate teams in the NFC. The NFC is so strong. You have Arizona, Tampa Bay, Green Bay, Dallas, and the Rams. To me, those five teams are set. Who is the next team after LA? You know, at six and one. Well, you have New Orleans at three and two. You lose this game, you're at three and three, and you really do have that fine line between you know the top five teams and the rest. You win. You know, you're four and two. You're kind of Right there, still at pace with Tampa Bay. You have Tampa Bay next week in New Orleans. That could be a big game, but you'll lose this tonight. You're 3-3. Three and three. 
Seahawks have three and four. They have the tie break. You're kind of all clustered there. This is a huge game for Seattle. And I also think that the elements favor them. Last night we had San Francisco and Indianapolis and just a downpour of rain all night long. Only 50% of the fans uh, were there. It was pouring, uh, sloppy play, you know, a lot of fumbles, uh, drop passes as well. Relied key on the running game and controlling the line of scrimmage. And I'm going to say those two things favor the New Orleans Saints. They have the better running back in offensive line. They've got Alvin Kamara uh, and the Seahawks. I believe Chris Carson is still out on injured reserve. That means it's going to be a heavy dose of Zach Collins. Of course, you know, he's a little uh, dinged up as well. He's questionable. But you're going to rely on Alex Collins, Travis Homer, and them. Well, they've got Alvin Kamara. They've got a better line on their defensive line. they got a stud in Cam Jordan who can still get after the quarterback. Get after Geno Smith if expected because the weather forecast for tonight is heavy rain, wind like last night. To me, this favors the New Orleans Saints if it's a defensive battle, a battle of field position, and the better running back. That's Alvin Kamara. He's going to make it work tonight. That's why I'm comfortable picking the New Orleans Saints. Uh, and if that happens, I'm going to say the Seattle Seahawks season, it's over. I'm calling it. Uh, you're 2-5 and five in this division. Uh, you're going to need a miracle from Russell Wilson. You're going to need when he comes back. You're going to need 10 straight wins from Russell Wilson to make the playoffs. Uh, that's what I believe. You know, they'd be 2-5. and five. Uh, You still have 10 games left. Of course, he won't be back for that. So realistically, you're going to have to go a nine and zero with him if he comes back for Packers or eight and zero. And even that might not be enough if they lose tonight. Are two and five? Let's say they beat the Jags, uh, three and five, but then lose to the Packers. Are three and six? Yes, they would have to go on an eight zero run with Russell Wilson, like the Bucks did last year uh, to win. Of course, they were four and zero. And then, you know, before no stretch of a playoffs to make it eight and no. But that's what will have to happen. They will need a home run. I don't see it. I just don't. I think it's over for Pete Carroll. I think it's over for his defense. This defense is terrible. You know, forget the elements as well that's gonna impact this game. This defense is bad. I know we want to talk about uh Kansas City's defense, and I'm gonna get to them in a second. Uh, but Seattle's defense is just as bad. We want to talk about Kansas City being the worst. Well, guess what? Kansas City's played that extra game. If Seattle plays tonight and they allow like 200 yards, they'll surpass the Chiefs again as like the worst defense in the league as, in terms of total yards. Of course, their uh, scoring defense isn't as bad, but they allow a ton. This defense is not good. It's a former shell of itself. Uh, Jamal Adams is not lived up to his contract is all. I don't think they're utilizing him properly, but then again, they gave up too much for him, and he's not delivering at all. Uh, the pass rush, very inconsistent. They can't stop the run uh, to save their lives. Uh, Bobby Wagner is showing age. I still think he's a tremendous linebacker, uh, but you can't count on him to do everything. The cornerbacks, you know, this whole defense is in shambles right now, and because of that, you're relying too much on the offense, and you can't rely too much on Geno Smith. Right now, in the moment, that's why I'm comfortable picking 
the New Orleans Saints. I think Alvin Kamara will have a huge game tonight. They're going to rely on him a ton if uh, weather holds up the way it is. Heavy dose of Alvin Kamara. I think if you have Alvin Kamara on your fantasy team, expect a big night tonight from him. Uh, I think he's going to run all over this porous defense. A so blocking will be open for him. You're going to see him open up in the string game as well. Just find ways to get Kamara the ball, and he will torch the Seattle defense. And that's what he did a couple of years ago as well. And that was without... Uh, Drew Brees, that was when Teddy Bridgewater was the quarterback and, you know, Russell Wilson was still in for Seattle. This was in Seattle and Alvin Kamara really did give it to him. I believe he had over 150 all-purpose yards. That's how good he is. Uh, I don't think he fears this. I know this, you know, all when we think about New Orleans and Seattle in Seattle, think about the playoff game, the Marshawn Lynch beastquake. But guess what? This offensive line is different. There's no Marshawn Lynch running the football as well. Think Seattle will be in quite a hole after tonight. I'm rolling with the Saints. Now looking back, though, on this weekend's action from yesterday. I'm going to start with the Packers and the football team. And I said the football team was going to hang close. They did. The Packers won by 14. But it could have been closer uh, for the football team. A huge, huge play in the second half where uh, Taylor Heineke scrambles to get the touchdown at third and goal. And he decides to kind of give himself up at the one instead of fully extending the ball over. But he thinks it's a touchdown, so they celebrate. They think it's 21-14. Uh, and instead, they have to go for it on fourth and goal, and they don't get it. And then, you know, it's just downed again after that. They could not recover. So Washington, I thought, played really good. Uh, they had 430 total yards to Green Bay's 304 Uh you know, they ran more drives. The passing yards were about the same uh, for Heineke and Aaron Rodgers, just a tick under 250 for both. The rushing game, dominated by the football team, had 195 rushing yards, you know, between their people, the Gibson, Carter, Heineke ran for a ton as well, almost clipped, you know, 100 yards. And to me, this defense... Uh, which I've been picking on because they've not been as advertised. They at least showed up to stop a run, is what they did. You know, they stopped Aaron Jones. They stopped this team. They only had 57 rushing yards on 15 attempts. You know, they shut them down as well. Washington dominated the time of possession. But you can do all this. You can play so well as Green Bay. But if you're 1 for 4 on 4th down and 0 for 4 in the red zone... You don't convert on anything in the red zone. That is a problem. You cannot do that. That is unacceptable play. Uh, you know, if you have a lesser team going against Green Bay, you have to be better than that. You know, you were in position to win the game or at least be in control of the game. Uh, and you just could not do it. Uh, too many mistakes by this Ron Rivera coach team. Uh, too many that I'm used to seeing by a Ron Rivera coach team, but, you know, not good enough for a football team. Aaron Rodgers is getting back into it. 
you know, slowly finding his MVP form through for three touchdowns. Uh, you know, their defense looking a little better in the red zone as they were able to stop uh, Washington. Of course, I won't give Washington a ton of props offensively because other than that, they haven't uh, done a whole bunch offensively this season. But the Packers are feeling good as they will now enter what I think is a brutal, brutal stretch to end the season. I think they needed this one because now they play the Cardinals, uh, the Chiefs, the Seahawks, the Vikings, the Rams, the Bears, the Ravens, the Browns, the Vikings again. So it's a tough stretch finish for Packers. We're going to see what they're made of, what Aaron Rodgers is made of. The next, you know, really two months of football for the Packers should be exciting to say the least. Now moving on to Kansas City and Tennessee. I said Kansas City, Kansas City would barely win this game, but I said Derrick Henry would have a big game. And I was kind of wrong on both ends. A, because Derrick Henry really didn't have a big game. He threw for a touchdown, uh, surprisingly. You know, still got a touchdown on the score sheet. But 29 carries, 86 yards. They did a great job uh, containing him. You know, they really did. The thing is, this this Kansas City team looked flat out bad. This was maybe the worst uh, Kansas City performance I've ever seen. Actually, I know it's the worst Kansas City I've ever seen without uh, Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. Uh, this was uh, this was terrible. Uh, Patrick Mahomes looked bad. I'm, I can't give any good grades uh, to this team at all. Uh, 206 yards, an interception for Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Tennessee Titans did all their damage in the first half. They were up 27-0, to zero, and the final was 27-3. to three. I mean, last week, Tennessee and Buffalo were trading, you know, offensive shot after offensive shot back and forth. That's what I envision this game being. And this defense, who hasn't really shut down anybody, shut down Kansas City. And this offense, I was thoroughly surprised, to say the least. The other thing I'm concerned about, and to me these are my two biggest areas of concern for Kansas City, that they have to write. They have no running game. To me, they really didn't have one before uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire injury. Now, after the injury... That's still showing. That's very big that they have no running game established. The second biggest thing, the pass protection. Orlando Brown yesterday gave up a few huge sacks. Patrick Mahomes was sacked four times. This offensive line was bad. I've got to blame everybody for that. I'm sorry, this offensive line was bad. Orlando Brown, left tackle, Wanted a trade from Green Bay. He was a right tackle there, but he wanted to play left tackle. That's my position. I want to play it. So Kansas City gives up first-round picks, second-round picks, and for Orlando Brown, and he should be better than what he is. He was awful yesterday, just flat-out awful. That I couldn't believe the sacks that he let in. You know, letting your quarterback get hit like that, punished like that. You have to have more pride than that. Rimmers on the right side was that, you know, you spend money, and I know some guys are injured too on this line, 
but this is still a problem, which is sad because you watch Eric Fisher in Indianapolis last night have a good game against uh, Nick Bosa and company. Had a good game. And you cut him. That was a questionable move. You don't sign Mitchell. Another questionable move. So there's questions on this offense. Tyreek Hill is dropping passes. It seems like left and right just easy catches. It seems like he's not engaged. If a deep shot is not there, uh, you know, is he fine taking a dink and dunk and running it if a downfield shot is never there and they're eliminating that? I've seen too many drops from Tyreek. Uh, and then on defense, this defense is bad. I know st- statistically speaking, this is the worst defense. I'm pretty sure uh, Seattle will overtake that position after this. We're going to talk about Kansas City's defense being so bad because we have higher expectations for Kansas City than everybody else in the AFC because, you know, they're a bit reigning AFC champions, uh, you know, two years in a row with the Super Bowl and the win. Uh, last year, and they lost them a Super Bowl. This defense is bad. Uh, you know, Chris Jones, Matthew on extensions and contracts, and they play like this. This defense as a whole, you give Frank Clark that money who can't play. Uh, this defense is in shambles. Can't uh, stop a run. Can't stop a pass. Uh, coach Steve Spagnuolo, who's been had great defenses, has coached great. To me, his time is up. Uh, he needs to go. I mean, he can't time the blitz right to save his life. He can't do any defense uh, if play at all. That stops the offense. Now, another thing I'll mention about the Chiefs turnovers as well. Mahomes, I think, has 16 interceptions in his past 16 games. He has to turn the ball over. I, can't, I don't want to see that anymore. I do not want to see any more turnovers from Patrick Mahomes. I don't care if you have to dink and dunk, throw five yards the whole time. I know some of those are dropped as well, and some of those aren't Patrick Mahomes' fault. But he really does, I think, have to go to the basics, uh, not really relearn the quarterback position, but you know, go back to his roots, make the easy throws, you know, go through your progressions and your reads, and not force the ball anywhere. Uh, and really, I think, uh, I think the key for this team is dominating the time of possession to get that defense off the field. Yesterday, it was quite the opposite. Tennessee dominated time of possession 36 you know, minutes to 24 minutes. That needs to be flipped. Uh, Patrick Mahomes cannot have that defense out there that long. That's turning, uh, limit the turnovers. Also, running the football, getting key third downs as well, uh, dominating the time of possession, I think will help the Kansas City Chiefs. They have a lot to figure out. However, to me, the Tennessee Titans, this was a team I pegged as the favorite to win the AFC South, you know, to at least make the divisional round or even an AFC championship game appearance. It looks strenuous, you know, their blowout loss to the Cardinals and a head-scratcher to the Titans. But, you know, they've routed the Jaguars. They beat, you know, to me, two of the best AFC teams in a row, the Titans, or I mean the Bills and the Chiefs. They don't play the Chargers or Ravens or Bengals this year. But next week, big game against the Colts. They've already beat them once. This time it's at Indianapolis. Indianapolis is a better team, I believe, than when they first uh, started. But this is a big division game right there. King Henry, to me, is still one of the MVP favorites. Ryan Tannehill looks better with both Julio Jones and A.J. Brown in there. 
than when they were out. The health of those wide receivers, I think, is also key for this Tennessee Titans offense. Next is Atlanta and Miami. What a back-and-forth game. I mean, that's kind of what you expect when it's a 2-4 and four team and a 1-5 and five team to kind of be back-and-forth. Uh, I mean, you had Atlanta kind of up by a, a decent amount, 20-14, to 27-14. They were in control, and you let Miami come back, take the lead 28-27, and then they kick the game-winning field goal. But this, there's a lot of, you know, controversy or, you know, rumblings surrounding Miami. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa, you know, potential trade for Deshaun Watson, how that impacted him. I said Tua had to have a great game yesterday uh, in order to instill more confidence in this team. And to me, he had a great game. To me, he had one of his best games as a, a Miami Dolphin threw for 291 yards, threw for two touchdowns, was able to make some plays with his legs as well. Uh, I thought he was solid. Two interceptions, which I thought really did uh, hurt this team. A couple of drive killers when you're driving. Nine plays, 60 yards, you throw an interception. You know, that's really not what you want. Early in the game, of course, they had a blocked field goal as well. Uh, that didn't help. So a little kind of sloppy play all over the field for Miami, which kind of hurt them from a win. But they look out of it. Looked like they're contending for the last pick now. Will they make a move for Deshaun since they're still not winning? But Tua has looked better. Uh, what do they do there moving forward? Next is the New York Jets and the New England Patriots. I thought the New England Patriots would blow them out. That's what I thought. And... It was a blowout. That was unexpected. I was not expecting this many points for the New England Patriots uh, to score. When you put up 54 points in the NFL, that's something you know you have to do a double take on. That's something I expect in college quite often. But in the NFL, don't really expect a 54 spot on any team. And that's exactly what the New England Patriots uh, did yesterday. Uh, Mac Jones, I thought, was really efficient. 24 of 36, 307 uh, yards. Damian Harris was great on the ground for 106 yards and two touchdowns as well. This defense, also good. They ran Zach Wilson out of the game. They did. Of course, he got injured as well. Uh, He'll be out two to four weeks, uh, but they harassed him constantly early on. Uh, and it just shows that New England, with Bill Belichick, likes to beat the New York Jets. I believe that's 12 straight victories the New England Patriots have over the Jets. I think that's six straight years that equals out to, so the Jets have a lot to figure out. Robert Sala, who's a defensive-minded coach in his defense, uh, gets 551 yards put up on him, 400 through the air, 148 on the ground, I mean, that's not good. The Patriots were 6 for 6 of a red zone. That's amazing. Even taking, you know, 95 yards and penalties, uh, that was of no concern because they just rolled all over the New York Jets. The New York Jets are in dire straits. Again, nobody expected greatness from them. Uh, I did expect an improvement from last year. And to me, that so far does not look like the case at all.
And you got Carolina and the New York Giants. Just another abysmal performance by the away team. You know, no McCaffrey. No problem, apparently, for the Giants. Uh, The Panthers just can't seem to win without him dropping yet another loss, starting 3-0. And now you have four straight losses, uh, moving to 3-4. This one was unacceptable. Sam Darnold was terrible, was benched in the loss as well. That's how bad uh, he played. Not that P.J. Walker was any better coming in in relief. 3 of 14. Uh, they let Sam Darnold kind of finish out, but he was bad. They were both bad. Six total sacks uh, for this team. Chuba Hubbard couldn't get it going as well. Uh, this team just, I don't know what happened to Carolina. I don't know if it's truly uh, just Christian McCaffrey because Sam Darnold did look better. You know, to start the season, he looked like more confidence. You know, not me, but there were talks of other people saying, you know, looks like the Jets shouldn't have traded Sam Darnold. Look at how he is with Carolina. Well, let's look at how he is. To me, they kind of look the same right now in terms of Sam Darnold. This is the same Sam Darnold we're used to seeing. Uh, The Sam Darnold I wasn't that too fond of when he came to Carolina. Uh, 111 yards, one interception. I mean, QBR of 10. That wasn't good. You know, Daniel Jones, who hasn't been much better in his tenure for three years, looked better yesterday, 203 yards, a touchdown. And he had an amazing catch as well. They had a great trick uh, pass as well. Uh, Dante Pettis, I believe. And Daniel Jones with an amazing, an amazing grab that I do not expect a quarterback to, to make, and that was simply really good, and Carolina Panthers had no option to stop them. New York Giants got a much-needed win to stay in the bottom of the NFC East. Cincinnati and Baltimore. I was on the fence about this one, but I said Cincinnati, the Bengals can do it uh, because I like the way Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase have just worked after Baltimore dominated the Chargers. Can they do it again? But they have been proving me wrong. What will go on in this game? And even though it was an, it was an efficient performance by Baltimore, uh, Cincinnati came out strong. They came out on a mission. And they blazed past the uh, Baltimore Ravens. What a day from Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. This combination, I believe, will continue to work not only this year, but for years to come. Jamar Chase, looking like the offensive rookie of the year. Eight receptions, 201 yards yesterday, and a touchdown. I think he's, you know, so far through his first career seven games, nobody has more receiving yards than him ever in their first career seven games. He's been simply too good. Uh, Maybe you start double-teaming him. Even on that pass, you know, Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase, where Jamar Chase broke it for an 82-yard touchdown. Uh, Just missed tackles. Uh, The determination and will by Jamar Chase. Joe Burrow threw for 400 yards yesterday. Three touchdowns, interception. He was amazing. He looks the spot. He looks the part. This offensive line's playing good. But also this defense, 
also rising to the occasion as well. Uh, even though, like I said, the Ravens didn't play bad. Lamar Jackson threw for 257 yards. They rushed for 115. Uh, they were just, uh, you know, too much on third down. They weren't good. They were 5 of 16. They were 1 of 4 on fourth down. And you've got to be more efficient on third down. You can't be punting uh, constantly or going forward and not getting it. The Cincinnati Bengals look really, really good. I'm going to stand up here and say they're a playoff team. You know, they're first in their division right now, rightfully so. They look like the best team in the division so far. Is that an overreaction? Time will tell, but I like Cincinnati to win this division now with Pittsburgh the way they're playing, Cleveland and the myriad of injuries. The way Cincinnati just beat down Baltimore, this team looks really good. And now you have a cluster of teams there at 5-2, and 4-2, and two, uh, the Bengals, the Raiders, the Titans, the Ravens, the Chargers, the Bills, all right there with two losses. This is a very, very tight AFC big win by the Bengals. Las Vegas and Philadelphia. Big win by Las Vegas to keep on moving. Still no John Gruden two weeks later. Very, very good performance by Derek Carr. And this offense, no Darren Waller for the Las Vegas Raiders. Foster Moreau, you know, comes in, leads the team in receptions, uh, yards, six receptions, six yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Looked good as well. Jalen Hurts had a decent day, but it was too much to perform against Derek Carr who was flying high 31 of 34 but one big thing is Miles Sanders running back for the Philadelphia Eagles carted off with a lower leg injury I hope he's fine but I think they also need the running game you know you trade Zach Hurts now you lose Miles Sanders this is hurting the progression of Jalen Hurts Detroit and the Los Angeles Rams what an entertaining game that I was not expecting even though you know this was a homecoming for Jared Goff Matt Stafford facing his former team what a performance by the Detroit Lions uh you know quick touchdown 63 yard pass from Goff to Swift Swift looked great then they go for an onside kick and recover it they go for a fake punt they get it they end up with a field goal they run another yet fake punt again and get it this team pulled out all the stops to try to win this game, and it still was not enough to do it. Uh, two big interceptions by Derek Carr, and you see that's the reason Sean McVay wanted to get rid of him. Those two interceptions hurt uh, his team a lot. You know, if he eliminates those, you know, if you're driving, the one to Jalen Ramsey is inexcusable, can't happen, and you have Matthew Stafford, you know, get his 300th touchdown in his career, no interceptions. That's the reason why Sean McVay got rid of Jared Goff. He was simply tired of that, and I think Sean McVay was looking over at the sideline, two things, thinking, confused by all these trick plays that the Lions were doing and converting. Uh, But two, you know, Jared Goff and his inability uh, right now and his lack of confidence, and it's still showing, and I think... Sean McVay is very, very pleased that he moved on from Jared Goff. His one team is 0-7, and his team is 6-1. and Big win by the Los Angeles Rams. Arizona and Houston. 
Very slow start for Arizona. No score in the first quarter by then. They're down 5-0. They take a safety, but then they wake up after that and win 31-5 to go to undefeated. Zach Ertz gets his touchdown in his first game with uh, the Arizona Cardinals. They look good uh, together. This offense, when they're clicking, looks good. You know, weird interception by Kyler Murray. Got hit a ton as well. This offensive line needs to be a little better. We'll see if Cardinals make any more moves. But I think this Thursday game, which I'll get into in my next podcast with the Packers and Cardinals, will be very telling of where the Cardinals are at. This That'll be a big measuring stick, I think, for both teams. Tampa Bay and Chicago. I said Tom Brady would be upset you know, with the way his performance was, and he's going to leave no indicator about this win. That was true. 38-3, to total domination of the Bears. Tom Brady and t- company routed uh, the Bears. Brady got his 600 touchdown pass in a funny moment where Tom Brady gives the ball to a fan, and they kind of have to get the ball back because 600 touchdowns in his career, first time it's ever happened. Uh, he just accumulates records and records because he's the GOAT, and it's not just records for records. He's also winning championships in the process, which makes him the greatest player of all time. He was good. His connection with his receivers were good in the red zone. It's Mike Evans' zone is really what it is. Three touchdowns there. Uh, Chris Godwin with a touchdown as well, 111 yards. Uh, They got the ball rolling. Heavy dose of a run game. Really balanced between Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones as well. But this offense could not be stopped. Justin Fields did not look good. Three interceptions, four sacks. I know it's a lot to face this Tampa Bay defense, especially you know when they're playing well. Shaq Barrett, JPP are connected via Vea up the middle. When they're playing well, even with the injuries to that secondary, uh, you know, Jamel Dean going out, Delaney, uh, no Sean Murphy bunting. Even with all those guys injured, if they can generate a pass rush like they did yesterday, that secondary will be just fine. I could go back out there and play if this front seven plays the way they did yesterday all season long. That's the Tampa Bay defense I was expecting beginning of the year. We saw it here. I hope that stretch continues. But Justin Fields, that's a tough game for him. I don't want to place all the blame. He deserves some of the blame. You know, when you have a quarterback rating of two. But this will be the toughest game he plays all year long. He will never have this bad performance, you know, the rest of the year. I guarantee that. Then it ended up with Indianapolis and San Francisco 49ers. Uh... Very, very poor performance, I thought, from Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Again, a ton of rain. It was a downpour. uh, But still, Jimmy Garoppolo, expect more from a backup two-time Super Bowl champion who represented his team in the playoffs before. But still, uh, come on. You've got to be better than that you do. Uh, Two two interceptions were bad, uh, even though, to me, Carson Wentz had the worst one uh, that he sort of just passed right over uh, to 
The defense, I believe it counted as a fumble, but that was bad. You know, with the sloppy pay, Jonathan Taylor lost one. But Jonathan Taylor was also the key to this game. 107 rushing yards. He kind of dominated, matched Elijah Mitchell. But again, the turnovers for San Francisco. Four of them, two fumbles lost, two interceptions. Uh, not a good performance. It's like we saw great drives, you know, the quick three-play touchdown drive. Two passes to Debo Samuel and the other one. And, you know, you look good at doing it. And you just do that for one drive. And you get away from the play action. And what's made this team uh, good is the play action game and opening that up. But now, you know, you have in the Indianapolis who's three of four, as I said. Big game next week against the Colts. And San Francisco... Uh, you know, just came off their bye and they lose this game, which is hard to lose. Now, you know, Trey Lance, I believe, would have played better in that game because you could have used him as a running back or is a quarterback who runs the football quite often. Now they play the Bears next week, which will be a tough test, but you're now two and four. Uh, you're sitting dead last at the moment in the NFC West, depending on what happens tonight. Uh, but offensively, they need to work out. A lot of kinks with Jimmy Garoppolo, his passing game. I believe when George Kittle comes back, that'll benefit everybody. But for right now, that is not the case. And then you have uh, Deshaun Watson uh, news as well. Uh, will he get traded? Will he not? Uh, looks like the Panthers might get him too. Understandable because of how bad they have done. And same with uh, Miami. Kind of both spiraling, spiraling down uh, abyss at the moment. But do you really want to be the team that picked and went for Deshaun Watson with this large cloud of, you know, assault allegations or whatever, misconduct demeanors? Do you really want all that hanging over you in your franchise? I wish something was figured out more in stone than probably what would happen, you know, after you make this trade, you know, is kind of when either a hammer gets shut down on Deshaun Watson or something crazy happens after this trade. That's kind of what I see. Uh, you'll have more revelations, sadly, after this trade. Now moving on to the NBA. Lakers finally win. Hooray. It was tough. It was three-point win against the Memphis Grizzlies. Grizzlies have been great. Ja Morant put on a show. 40 points, uh, 10 assists. He was brilliant. But Carmelo Anthony, the hero the Lakers needed, who passed Malone on the scoring list, uh, Moses Malone for ninth all-time, was too good, led the Lakers off the bench, 28 points, 6 of 8 from 3, hit clutch shots as well. Uh, Anthony Davis added in 22, balanced Russell Westbrook to me. Still doesn't look up to the part, is the third best option. Better in this game than he was the previous two games, but he has to be better. Uh, and for the Memphis Grizzlies, you just have to feel bad for John Morant. Gave it everything he had, 40 points, uh, 10 assists, and 3 rebounds. Was brilliant with a double-double. All four of his starting teammates were in double figures as well. 
but it was just too much to overcome this performance of, you know, Carmelo and Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and company. Great uh, play, though, by the Memphis Grizzlies. Another surprising thing is the Nets lose again, this time at home, to the Charlotte Hornets. Charlotte Hornets are looking good. Miles Bridges, LaMelo Ball, uh, Gordon Hayward, to me, they're playing good. Kevin Durant is playing amazing. Arguably the best player in the world. Never put him at that title. I'll always put the arguably before it. But he's not getting the help he needs. James Harden playing rather pedestrian. You know, when Patty Mills doesn't have a great shooting night or Claxton or Joe Harris aren't great, where will that help come from? That is the key for this team, the Brooklyn Nets. But after all this, you know, we're kind of almost a weekend to the season already. Who do I have is my top five teams in the NBA after a short week so far? Well, number five is the Philadelphia 76ers. What I've learned, they don't need Ben Simmons at all. Trade him for draft picks. Do anything with him. Maybe you don't need a return. Joel Embiid looks apart. You could be 3-0 and right now. You're 2-1. and with a crazy loss to the Nets because you kind of blew it over the final five minutes. But this team, if Joel Embiid is healthy, the great block he had yesterday, uh, he is the superstar you need. Just get Ben Simmons out of there for a moment. Joel Embiid is playing highly motivated right now. Number four, the Denver Nuggets. Why? Nikola Jocic looking like the reigning MVP that he is. No Jamal Murray. Other players are stepping up. Uh, Porter, Gordon, they're all doing the part to take some of that offensive load that last year it just looked like they could not do it down the stretch. But with all this time for Jamal Murray off, it looks like that is finally working. Number three, the Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry, just amazing performance after amazing performance. Uh, so far, again, the opening game against the Lakers wasn't that great from him, but great performance against the Clippers, and I thought he was very good yesterday against the Kings. We're seeing the depth, those draft picks that they made last year uh, step up already, play vital role, Jordan Poole. This team looks really good, and they still don't have Clay Thompson as well. They're trying to get off to as big as a lead they can and um, win as many games as they can in the Western Conference. Number two, the Utah Jazz. This team looks like where they're picking up last year, where they were the number one team in the NBA. Retained the same team. They're looking good. The depth to me is looking much better. Hassan Whiteside uh, looks like a backup to where Rudy Gobert doesn't have to rack up a ton of minutes and they can use him more in different situations. I'm really liking that chemistry that the rest of this team has as well. But number one so far is still the Milwaukee Bucks. Yes, they have a loss already on their uh, one, which was a blowout by the Heat. But the Heat are a good team. They've also beat the Spurs and the Nets in a convincing opener. And still look like if you have to match any of the teams I just mentioned with the Bucks, the Bucks playing their hardest, they will go out and win that game. This Milwaukee Bucks team is very, very good. So those are my top five teams so far in the NBA.
the Philadelphia 76ers, the Denver Nuggets of four, three Golden State Warriors, two Utah Jazz, and one the Milwaukee Bucks. But tonight, we've got some more NBA action on. Nets on a back-to-back, playing the Wizards at home. Spencer Dinwiddie, Kyle Kuzma. Will Kyle Kuzma keep his non-Laker winning streak going? No, I don't think so. I think Kevin Durant will pull this team to a win uh, tonight. It'll be tough. I think a lot of these games Brooklyn plays with no Kyrie Irving will be tough, but they'll get the win tonight. The other one is the Trailblazers and the Clippers. Uh, Clippers, you know, have been playing and fighting really hard, you know, without uh, Kawhi Leonard. Paul George has been great against the Clippers and against the Grizzlies uh, in a loss they're 0-2. I finally think that they get the win tonight. I like Paul George to rebound, get their first win against Portland. Now moving on to college, where I was 9-1 in the picks I made on my previous podcast on uh, Friday. I believe it was Friday. So I'm 9-1. I picked Michigan against Northwestern. Michigan won that game. You know, awkward first half to say the least. But they came out, won that game strong in the second half. Uh, really pulled away in one. Army, I picked Army to upset Wake Forest. Wake Forest then dropped 70 points on Army. I did not get that win. Big win by Wake Forest to stay undefeated, mind you. Wisconsin-Purdue. I thought Wisconsin would win, even though Purdue just had the big win over Iowa. I still like this Wisconsin team coached by Paul Christ. They won. Oklahoma State-Iowa State. Seemed like every show I watched this week, it was... Iowa State's favorite, Oklahoma State's the underdog, but Oklahoma State's undefeated in eight. But I said, okay, Iowa State's going to win, and they did. Oregon, UCLA, UCLA, I picked to lose this game. I picked Oregon, and UCLA did lose this game. They were up 14 to 0. Played great, but the turnovers, you know, the miscues by UCLA, letting Oregon drive back the defense uh, too much. Oregon kept their Pac 12. Playoff hopes alive. LSU and Ole Miss picked Ole Miss and they won. Matt Corral played really good. Even though LSU had that emotional win last week. Big win against Florida. Didn't think they'd get another one against Ole Miss. Clemson-Pittsburgh. I picked Pittsburgh to just put the dagger in Dabo in Clemson this season. And they did. Kenny Pickett uh, moving his Heisman hopeful up there with this win. Tennessee-Alabama picked Alabama to win. They struggled early. It was close. The defense still doesn't look that great. But Alabama, Bryce Young, this offense pulled it out. Ohio State-Indiana picked Ohio State to win, and they dominated. USC-Notre Dame picked Notre Dame. They were able to pull away and beat USC. So with all that you know, new AP poll out, I'm going to react to all it. I like Alabama moving ahead of Oklahoma, even with one loss. Oklahoma does not look like, you know, a top three or top two undefeated 8-0 team in the nation. They struggled with Kansas, had under 100 yards, were shut out. They did pull it away against Kansas, but I don't know if it's now a Lincoln-Riley issue. Uh, You know, you've had Spencer Rattler, Caleb Williams, 
What do you do there? How do you fix this offense? Another thing I don't like is moving Oregon ahead of Michigan State. To me, Oregon has a, the one of the best uh, non-conference wins, or they have the best non-conference wins, one of the best wins in period, over Ohio State. Again, that has no respect anymore as Oregon's behind Ohio State, but still Michigan State's undefeated. I don't like moving Oregon ahead of Michigan State. I thought Michigan State was very deserving at the seventh spot. I was very confused on why they'd move Oregon over them, even though it was a good win against UCLA, and they have another good one. Michigan State's undefeated. I really didn't like that. Then the other things I'm fine with, you know, Penn State dropping. Surprise game to Illinois. You have Sean Clifford back, but he didn't look like the former self that went down before Iowa. They dropped quite a bit. Uh, Coastal Carolina with a loss dropped Oklahoma State. So a lot of it I was fine with. Kind of just that Oregon-Michigan State was my biggest gripe. But with that being said, I'm going to give you my top five college teams in the nation right now. Number five, again, this was tough for me. I want to put Michigan in my top five. I like what I see. You know, a lot of people picking on this passing game. But I said to myself, you know what? The 49ers made it to the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo just throwing eight passes. They made it there because of their defense and Raheem Mostert. Michigan can certainly make it with their defense, albeit it's not the strongest. I like Georgia there. They have a great running attack with Blake Corum, Hassan Haskins. But this passing game, will it hold it back? Will they get uncreative? Will the play calling, which somehow I still don't like, be there? I said, I just can't still put them in there at number five. I put Oklahoma, and this was a struggle to put them there. But, you know, they've won 16 straight games, be dating back to last year. A lot of them have been close, especially this year. They haven't looked great, which is why I'm moving teams ahead of them. Uh, but they're still undefeated, and when you find ways to win continually, uh, it's either will the luck run out, or are you actually this good to keep on winning those games? Number four, Cincinnati had a tough test against Navy. I believe they'll slip against a team uh, before the season ends. I don't believe they'll finish out undefeated. To me, this was a precursor of a game that could happen, and you know Desmond Ritter is good, but this was a one mortal game. Cincinnati had but they're gonna have to win out I believe to stay up there number three Ohio State I'm still remembering that loss from Oregon even though recently it's hard to when CJ Stroud has played amazing this is the number one offense in the nation this team is really really good CJ Stroud is connecting with his group of wide receivers this offense is the real deal Number two, I believe, though, is Alabama. Yes, they've had defensive issues uh, against Texas A&M, which blew it. And then uh, Tennessee started slowly. But I just can't count out Nick Saban, Bryce Young in this offense. I think they can make up for some of those defensive issues. Number one is still Georgia. Off a bye week. uh, Or they just had their bye week. So to me, we'll stay at number one. Still have the best defense but to me, this will be their biggest test until the whatever game it may be, which will be the uh, SEC championship against Florida. How will they deal with adversity this Saturday? I think that'll be a big game to watch. 
But until then, Georgia's had the best defense. Stetson Bennett has been playing great in uh, backup of JT Daniels. The running game is also really good. So those are my top five teams in college football right now. Oklahoma, Cincinnati, Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia. Now moving on to my final topic of the MLB. I said the Astros would win that series. They did. Jordan Alvarez won the ALCS MVP. was great. That game, Luis Garcia was great. Uh, Pitched a shutout. Uh, Alvarez, monster game, four for four at the DH spot, uh, batting, you know, 522 so far. He's been amazing for the Astros, definitely deserving of winning uh, the ALCS MVP. However, I said the Dodgers would probably find a way to win, and they did not. Their streak of elimination wins ended. Eddie Rosario won the NLCS MVP, deserving because he has the most hits in an LCS series. That was great. Uh, two for four that night, you know, with the big home run as well in the fourth inning that kind of opened the game up to take the lead, and you're up 4-1. Uh, Mad Sec pitching as well. Uh, you know, when, you know, they had the uh, bases loaded by Jackson, he comes in and does that. That was a Amazing, amazing when he struck out the side. Braves advanced to their first World Series since 1999. Astros are in their third World Series in five years. You now have the Braves and Astros. Very few people picked this matchup. I know I was one. That did not. But now that you're there, two unexpected teams. Who does it? The Astros, to me, you know, they open as a favorite. They should be uh, the favorite. Because of how well offensively they've been so far. Their pitching has been good. But the Braves, are they a team of sort of destiny, might you say? Uh, you know, we saw this a few years ago with the Astros and the Nationals. Astros were the favorite, but the Nationals pitching shot it down. Can the Braves hitting, on the contrary, do that? Can Eddie Rosario keep on doing this? Albies, Freddie Freeman... I can't pick the Astros in a World Series matchup. I just can't. Uh, I believe they're cheaters. Uh, that story of them will always be cheaters in my mind, at least with those players on the team still. I am picking the Braves to win this matchup. I am rooting hard for the Braves to win it as well. I believe you know, they can do it, which is surprising because this is an 88-win team who you know struggled for a majority of this season. No Ronald Acuna. But they found, you know, their stride, hit their stride, made some moves at the deadline. I believe it will all pay off and they'll win a World Series this year. I'm picking the Braves. So now, that's it, guys. Who do you got in the World Series? Are you rocking with the Braves Astros? More short term, just tonight, are you rolling with the Saints or the Seahawks? I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye, everybody.